Hello everyone, I'm Kim McLaughlin and I run the website cedarlighthealing.com. I am a shamanic practitioner and my goal is to empower people with the teachings and knowledge that have helped me and that I have been asked by my spirit guides to share with you. You can read more about me on the about page of the website, but enough about me, let's talk about the spirits. Given that this is the first episode of this podcast, I wanted to talk about one of the things that I believe is necessary for shamanic healing to occur, and that, of course, is the spirits. I thought we would cover who are they, why do they help us, and what I think is really the $64,000 question, do you really need to have a belief in the spirits in order to participate in shamanic healing? And before we even jump into those talk topics, let's quickly address the other really big question here, which is what is shamanism to begin with? You know, or my friends would say, Kim, what is it that you do every weekend and, and every evening? It's a big question. A lot of people will answer it differently depending upon their beliefs, their religion, or their culture. But let's start with the fact that shamanism, for the most part, it is not a religion. It is a practice that can coincide with different religions and exists in many different cultures. The practitioner is someone who is skilled at working with the spirits, so they facilitate the work. So one of the things that differentiates shamanism from other modalities of healing, like Reiki for example, is that it's not the practitioner who's actually doing the work, it is the spirits that are doing the work. And the practitioner's ability is that they're able to bring the spirits into the room, into that healing ceremony or that healing session, in a way that is healthy and it's responsible, but they fundamentally act as a middleman between the client and the spirits. And this type of work can take you know, decades of, of training in order to be able to do it really well. So for me, I've got, at this point, only 14 years under my belt, which may seem like a, a lot of training in some professions, but in my profession, it makes me uh, a real noob or newbie at doing this work. With that in mind, let's talk about the spirits because they are the ones who are the healers. They are the ones who we know are doing this work. So it begs the question of who the heck are they? Who are these spirits that we draw upon? And it's an important question because I find that with a lot of my clients, there's a lot of misconceptions when we're working with the spirits in the spirit world or working with the spirits in this ordinary reality. Uh, a lot of my clients will ask me, are we working with ghosts? Are we working with elementals? Um, elementals, of course, are those spirits that we believe can go in and out of different realities. So an example of elementals in my own culture, uh, Scotland, would be the fairy or the she, as we call them. An example of an elemental in North America, uh, North American traditional cultures, would be the Gichisabe or the Jisabe. So commonly known as the Bigfoot. These are spirits that can go in one, they, they can come as messengers or helpers in this reality so we can shake their hand, we may be able to see them, but the next moment they can disappear as they return to you know, the spirit world or to their reality. So that's an elemental. To answer the question though, generally a shamanic practitioner will work with all sorts of different kinds of spirits. They may work with elementals, especially in my culture, there's a lot of spiritual people who work with the, the fairies or the she. 
And of course, in the indigenous cultures here in Ontario, where I uh, was given most of my teachings, there are those who will work with different types of spirits, including nature spirits as well and elementals. But for the most part, at least in my experience, what I have found is the majority of spirits that I tend to work with are, uh, they may be ancestor spirits. So these are ancestors of mine who passed away, oh, who knows, 20 years ago, 200 years ago, 2000 years ago, and have passed over. So they are not earthbound ghosts. They have passed over to the other side and they come back to help me uh, with my work one way or another. Or they may be what we call power animals or in the indigenous worlds here in Canada, we call them uh, spirit animals. And these are spirits that will come to us and they may be the spirit of an animal that we may or may not have had contact with in our lives. Or they may be pure spirit that are embodying the shape of an animal, the form of an animal, and, and that animal or that shape has something to teach us. So it's always worth thinking about those animals that do show up for us on the spiritual realm. I talked about nature spirit, so it is possible for some practitioners, you know, who will work with the spirit of water, the spirit of trees, the spirit of the land. So it really is, these spirits can be uh, the spirits of almost anything that we would consider to be organic and living. It's a very animist approach, for sure. Now, in terms of ghosts, do we work with ghosts? Not in a healing capacity, like not in terms of bringing a ghost in to help heal a client. I don't know anybody who would ever do that type of work, although I will say that I know that that type of work does happen in many other cultures. And I've had clients who have worked with practitioners back in their homeland where they, you know, were intentionally had a, a ghost of some kind attached to them to help them in their lives. And I have to tell you, I don't know much about that. That's not a practice that I have been taught. In fact, I've been taught that that's not always a healthy practice. Of course, I'm not here to judge other people's cultures. I really don't know. But I would say that one thing that a practitioner can do and what we often do is we can work with those ghosts who are themselves unhappy, they're earthbound for a reason, um, they may, they're clearly not in peace, and sometimes work with them to help get them home right? Wherever home is going to be, whatever you believe, whether that's to the gates of heaven. For me, I take a Celtic approach, so I think about going out into that western sea and the shining isles. But we can talk to ghosts. Uh, many can see ghosts. Thank goodness that's not my gift. I'm very grateful for that. I've seen enough to know that I don't really want to see more. But generally speaking, a shamanic practitioner is not working with those ghosts to affect healing on a client. Those are very different things. So there are different types of spirits. And then for those spirits who a shamanic practitioner will call upon, why do they help us? My only answer for this comes from indigenous teachings that, that I received when I first started on, on my journey. And I was taught, and take this with a grain of salt, you know, these are my teachings, they don't need to be yours, but what I was taught was that when we pass away and we journey back to the spirit world, and then we have a, I suppose, a wee bit of a rest when we're in the spirit world, but after a time, some of us can choose to become spiritual helpers. And so I don't know, you know, are we appointed? Do we actually choose? I 
I, I don't know. But we do become spiritual helpers and we do return. I think about, uh, for example, my mother who passed away about four years ago. And my mother doesn't necessarily come in to help me uh, with the healing work on my clients, but she does show up sometimes in my ceremonies. And I, I find that quite a comfort. And there are other people I know who have passed away who do show up as a helper in others' ceremonies, right? So others who were closer to that person. So I do believe that that absolutely can happen. But generally speaking, uh, when we go into the spirit world, it is a job, I suppose, that, that one can do to become that spiritual helper, to show up. And the reason we have spiritual helpers, according to the teachings that I was given, would be because we all need a little bit of help and so those helpers exist to guide us along the way to point us in the right direction sometimes to protect us to help us in in times of of trauma or danger we've all heard or maybe even had those experiences where we're going to go into a place and that voice says to us, don't go there, you know, walk away, don't talk to this person. And then we realize afterwards that perhaps that person was there to mug us or we escaped an accident or, or you know, we, we dodged a bullet. So those spirit guides exist certainly to protect us, to stand in the way of us and harm. What the spirit's guides won't do is do our healing for us. So often when we are in the midst of healing, and I know for me that usually looks like a lot of confusion, uh, you know, if there's pain that's, that's coming up or shame or whatever it is that I'm working through, you know, there, there's always that need to seek clarity, at least for me. And, and I have always found that if I ask the spirits a direct question, what am I supposed to do? Is this a good idea? Very rarely will they give me a straight answer because their job is not to do my work for me. Their job is to empower me to do my healing work myself. And the more accountable I am to my own healing work, the more the spirits step in to, to help me. And then, of course, the more open I am to that direction. The last thing that I'll, I'll talk about in this inaugural podcast is do we really need to believe in the spirits? I mean, it sounds like a bit of a hokey question. You would think that if someone is engaging in spiritual healing of some kind, that yes, they would, of course, believe in the spirits. But I do find in this Western world, in our mainstream culture, there are levels that that we believe. And, and even for myself, you know, I, I have a point where there are things that others will talk about and, and believe in very freely and very openly. And I kind of pause and think, I'm not sure that I, I embrace that belief. You know, and I, I do believe that discernment is important. But having said that, if we are going to engage in any kind of spiritual healing, whether it is because we, we believe or have been told that we have a gift, or whether it's because we are in turmoil of some kind and are seeking out help, so we're seeking out a spiritual practitioner of some kind to help us, I would say, yeah, a belief in the spirits is important. I do not believe that you can do this work without that. Although it sounds like I'm saying that quite flippantly, I, I'm actually not. I... I was on this path for a number of years before I really started to truly believe in the reality of what I was experiencing and, and what I was seeing around me. I'll tell you a story about where my belief really uh, integrated 
right? It, it, it grounded in my body and and my entire personal spiritual practice shifted after that day. And so I think I had been, oh, I can't even remember what year it was, but I had been in the community, the indigenous community here in Toronto for about maybe two years. So I know that I was still kind of smack in the middle of that spiritual awakening. And if if any of you have had a spiritual awakening, you will know how intense they tend to be. I used to kind of joke and I was told (laughs) that, you know, my spiritual awakening was incredibly intense. And the elders told me that the reason for it is because, and I am paraphrasing here, I was kind of a either thick as a board or I'm of the temperament that I will explain away anything supernatural that happens around me, right? So the spirits had to be very intense with me. They had to hit me over the head with a two by four to get it through my head that this was real and that it was happening. But having said that, you know, being raised in um, this culture, mainstream Canada, I really... I kind of believed it, but I kind of didn't. I took everything with a bit of a grain of salt. I was a bit flip about it. So there was a, about two years in, the elders informed my son and I that my son actually was working with this very uh, particular spirit in the indigenous community. And this was a great honor to him. And it was a great honor to our family because we were told that this spirit looks over him and it looks over our family. But having a relationship with the spirit comes with responsibility. And so we were told that on the change of the seasons, we had to go out into the forest and we had to feed this spirit. So we had to create a ceremony and prepare a meal in a traditional way and very specific food and trek out to the forest and find a certain tree and, you know, lay our food at the foot of that tree and hang up certain colored flags and sing a certain song. And when we did this, especially when we sang the traditional song that we have been taught, we would be calling in this spirit so that we could make the offering of this food in order to feed the spirit and in this way, honor him and show our gratitude. And so we went out to uh, the home of a great friend of mine, of his mother, fabulous woman named Mary Lou. She just passed earlier this year and it's a great loss. We went to Mary Lou's house and Mary Lou was very, um, very supportive of my son's journey at the time. I, I looked at his, his journey. I didn't even realize at that time it was also my journey that she was very supportive and she would let us go to her house and if we had to prepare, you know, meals and certain ceremonies, she absolutely supported us, but she kind of did it with a bit of amusement. I think she was amused at it. Um, she didn't really believe in it. And I can remember when I was preparing that food and I remember saying, well, yes, you know, we're going to go into this part of the forest and her saying, well, you know, you could really just leave it anywhere because after all, it's really just the animals that are going to eat it. And I kind of raised an eyebrow and I looked at her and I didn't really appreciate the comment, but I understood, you know, where she's coming from. I'm, and I, I respected that she was allowing us to, to use her stuff. And of course, I let it go, right? One has to have manners. But I thought about that a lot on the boat ride over to where we were going. And I thought, well, how do I feel about this? When we leave this food for this spirit, do I really believe that spirit's going to show up and and eat this food? Really? No, I kind of didn't. And and so I I think that's why I really wasn't all that offended by what Mary Lou had said, because I agreed with her on a certain level. Deep down, I, I did. So 
my son and I go over, we trek into the forest. My God, I remember it must have been 35 degrees that day. It was the middle of summer. We find the tree that we're supposed to find. We lay out the food. We hang up the flags and the tobacco. And, you know, we're, we're there with our drums and we beat our drums and we sing this traditional song to call this spirit to the forest to implore him, you know, please to accept this offering, accept our gratitude and our love. And we're both singing very loudly and... I have my eyes closed because this song, when we call the spirit, it is a prayer of sorts, right? So I have my eyes closed and we get to the end of the song and I open my eyes and there is that spirit standing about 10 feet away from me. Was I elegant and graceful and oh so spiritual? No, I screamed. So help me, I screamed. Oh, if only I could be that wonderful the quiet, calm, spiritual person, but I'm not. So I scream because I'm like, oh my God. And, and look away, it disappears. My son, mom, are you okay? I think he was like, I don't know, maybe 13, 14. And, um, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I just saw the spirit. And, and he looks at me, he's like, well, yeah, that's why we're here. You know, God love, I'm 14, not questioning anything, right? Just accepts the, the belief fully, fully within his bones. And, um, and so that was that. So we, we left the food, we made our prayers, and we made our way back to the house. And then that evening, my son had a, a, a dream and that spirit showing up. Um, at that ceremony and and that spirit actually helping us on the boat back to to uh, Mary Lou's house and so I took this to mean that the uh, spirit had accepted our offering and after that time I began to believe that yeah when I feed a spirit when I'm told I have to feed a spirit that is real and when I go outside, whether it is, you know, a sacred place or whether it's just right here in, in Toronto, in the beaches, in one of the parks, and I, I lay an offering for those spirits, that those spirits are the ones who show up. The spirits know what we offer. The spirits are real. They are watching. They do their work. When we see these synchronicities, there's no point in explaining them away because usually they cannot be explained away. And the important thing is to remember that they are real. And therefore, the experiences that we have with our spirit guides are real as well. And I think that's an important thing to say because I know that many people, and I was like that too, when beginning their journey, it can be very hard to accept that belief, to, to really have that belief. And, and I know for me, I was very prone to explaining away my experiences until I no longer could, until I was hit over the head with the spiritual two by four so that I could not explain away. And I'm so grateful for those experiences. So I just want to, you know, really wrap this up today by saying to you that, yes, I do believe that having a belief in the spirits is numero uno for spiritual work. Um, and that it's important to really look at your belief and, you know, to what extent do you believe in the spirits? Because what I have seen is that this work is real and these spirits are real. And the advice that we're given, the signs that we're shown, the beautiful gifts that they, they reveal to us, 
all of these things are real and not real in a sort of metaphorical, philosophical way. I mean real. You know, you put down food, they show up and eat it. So so I want to share that with you because I think that there is power in that belief. So I'm going to end it there. That's probably more than enough for an inaugural podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it. I'd love to get your feedback. Please feel free to send me an email at cedarlighthealing.gmail or through my website if you have any ideas or questions or things that you would like for me to talk about. Uh, Once again, my website is www.cedarlighthealing.com. Thank you so much.